our podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Life Fantastic, the podcast where people with disabilities talk about all things disability here on Straight Independent Radio. We are sponsored by neurodiversityconsulting.org and sanchia.org. Check us out online to find out all of the great things we do with people with disabilities. I'm your host, the Idea Dynamo, Samantha Pierce. And I'm joined today, as always, by my colleagues, Liza Citron, autistic, disabled, self-advocate, and future special education teacher, Scott Davis, disabled writer, speaker, and advocate, and Jer- Dr. Jeremy Pierce, philosopher, my husband, and a fellow autism parent. Today, we are going to be tackling the topic of autistic women. Yes, we do exist. We are underdiagnosed and misdiagnosed when it comes to autism because we present so differently. So today we're going to talk about how autistic women are are different from the stereotypical male presentation of autism. And we are also going to because Liza and I are autistic women, talk about our our personal experiences a little bit. Liza, I'll get started with you because I know this is something that you are very passionate about, giving recognition to autistic women. So give us the rundown. What are some of the facts about autism in women? So autistic women, like Sam said, we are underdiagnosed or misdiagnosed. If I remember correctly, the gender ratio in terms of overrepresentation, is about one to nine in favor of boys. This also gets complicated when you bring trans people into this because there is an overrepresentation of autistic individuals in the LGBTQ community, poss- possibly because we are more in tune with certain aspects of our bodies. And we're already singled out, so we're more willing to accept different things about ourselves. But as for women, and we are going to be talking mainly about cis women here, although a lot of the things that are said here can apply to either trans men or trans women, especially trans men, because trans men were socialized as girls most of the time at the beginning of their lives. Like I said, there is a gender disparity in diagnosis. As for the way it presents, our symptoms often manifest more internally than externally in terms of the typical presentation of autism in a boy. Now, those stereotypes are not entirely accurate for boys either. In essence, our presentations differ from that of autistic men and boys which, by the way, are the individuals on whom most studies are based. So not only are our symptoms different in presentation, the research that goes into autism accommodations and autism causes and all that is done on boys. So no wonder we are underrepresented. We tend to get diagnosed less, so that could make up for the, and explain the gender disparity in diagnostics. 
we also tend to mask a good bit more. We tend to try and act neurotypical because, especially for girls, that is incredibly necessary when you're growing up. If you're growing up around around neurotypical people, especially if you don't know that you're autistic, you just know that you act differently. So we're more likely to mask. We are less likely to be diagnosed and more likely to be diagnosed as adults. Then we're more likely to be, be seen as not existing in society because we are supposedly rarer than autistic men. And there are some correlations which could explain this. There is not a solid theory about this, but there is an overrepresentation of autistic women among women with PCOS. Uh, PCOS is polycystic ovarian syndrome, and it is caused or at least represented by an increase of androgens, i.e. male hormones like testosterone in AFAB people, assigned feminine at birth people. So um, Liza, people I want to touch on to- I want to touch on what you mentioned with masking. And not everyone may know what that means. And so in in looking up more information about autistic women and how we present because it's helpful to get an outside view of yourself sometimes. I found that I found a list of, of common presentations, common experiences for autistic women. And as I was reading the list, I'm like, oh my gosh, this was me as I was growing up. And it talks about how we notice that we're different but we're not sure why or how. We have interests that don't fit with our peers. We tend to be more sensitive to textures, which is something that is a common experience between men and women. And we like, we prefer, because of that, we prefer comfortable, practical clothing, which that was totally me. I hated dressing up as a kid. There are, there's what you call Liza masking and what some people call camouflaging, which is because we are having difficulty reading the social cues and because we're having anxiety about all this social interaction, we very carefully observe what others are doing and try to imitate that. And that is where masking comes from. We recognize that we're a little bit different. We're not sure how, we're not sure why, and there is the desire to try to fit in. And so we, we carefully observe the people around us to learn what it is we're supposed to be doing, which means that it becomes that much harder to identify us because we've learned how to fake it really, really well. Some people call it masking. Some people call it camouflaging. Uh, we also have changeable personalities, meaning depending on the setting, you're going to get a different version of me. And this has been true of me my entire life. In this particular setting, you're getting the, the, the perky talkative me. In other settings, you're, you might get the really quiet, not interested in social interaction me. Yeah. We are 
more prone to depression and anxiety. Guess why? Because we know we're different. We're not exactly sure how or why we're different. And there's a lot of anxiety around not knowing all of these social rules and knowing how to follow them. Not to mention not being accepted in society. That's true. That tendency towards depression and anxiety is true of most marginalized groups. So Jeremy, I want to tap into you and ask you about, now you've been married to an autistic woman for over two decades now, and we've been raising autistic children. So I want to ask you what that experience has been like. And also, why do you think that it is so much more difficult for women to be diagnosed than for men to be diagnosed? So, I mean, we didn't have a diagnosis for you until what, two years ago at, at, at most, right? Mm. So I, I didn't have any awareness of being married to someone who is autistic. I had an awareness of having autistic sons. So I, I, I never had that thought. It's hard to, it's hard to try to think what is it like having something true of you that I never thought of as being true of me? So I wasn't evaluating the world and our relationship and our family and anything through that lens. As I read the diagnostic report when you brought it home, there were parts of it that sounded to me like it was trying to make sense of things that were true. And there were parts of it that sounded to me like that's not where I would have gone with any of it. So <laughs> I'm not sure I would have uh, even thought to consider that as, as a possible explanation of anything. We had other ideas that we were thinking, and that wasn't one of them. I think it surprised you too, hmm. right? Uh, I think maybe you were expecting to get an ADHD diagnosis or something, right? Yes. The- so, and, and, the do- and the doctor was pretty clear that he didn't think that was true <laughs> of you. So uh, it, it, it um, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know how to answer a question like that. Okay. So as for the other question, <clears throat> mm-hmm. I have certainly have thoughts on that. Go for it. There, there have been, um, well, for, for one thing, you had this thing that was out there for a while. I don't know if anyone is still saying this anymore, but you had this idea of autism as extreme maleness, mm. right? Yes, yeah, Sasha Baron of- Conan. Was oh, was that, was, that was no that was Simon. Sasha. Sorry, Simon. no. Sasha is the uh, the film producer. <laughs> yes, I think they're That's brothers. Borat. Right? I think they're actually brothers, right? Or cousins, or something. They're, I don't they're, know. They're, they're related. Somehow um, related. The 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 um the idea behind that way of conceiving of things was you have this spectrum between traits that we treat as male and or masculine anyway, to be careful here by masculine, I mean the things that we socially take to be associated with maleness rather than things that are biologically male. And so traits that we treat as masculine on one extreme, traits that we treat as feminine on the other extreme. And most of us are somewhere in between there (laughs) in, in reality, but most of these traits are to some degree derived from general tendencies, but then people with 
people who autistic boys and men have more of those traits or at least certain ones of them anyway that baron cohen was trying to identify and it really it seemed to me that it was selectively picking certain traits as these are traits more associated with men and boys and autistic people have them in greater degrees and i think you could just as easily have identified other ones that are not like that but that theory was kind of a a uh, i guess it was a way to 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 try to put things into a, a, a continuum that people mm. could understand. You, know, you got on, on the far one side, you got the, you got autism and then you've got typical males. And then you've got people who are less clearly demonstrating those traits sort of in the middle, either direction. And then you got typical girls and where autistic girls supposed to fit into that I don't know mm. so it's 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 um it's not really remotely true not even remotely true that when you look at the kinds of characteristics that people who, who struggle with their gender identity are are, are looking at that those are going to be the same socialized masculine or feminine traits that Baron Cohen was looking at, actually. I, I really I really don't think, I think he was just picking a few traits. And, and as you describe I, this, I'm thinking that that the, the idea of extreme maleness, it suffers from the same flaw that thinking a lot of people, the way that a lot of people think about the autism spectrum in that we're thinking it's linear. The, 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 the differences between male and female, they don't, need to be linear they are not linear it's more of the the same kind of spherical representation that we are beginning to embrace about autism which is also the same for whatever you want to call the differences between the sexes <laughs> terminology keeps changing i don't have those conversations every day so i can't keep up I, I do have those conversations every day, but <laughs> <laughs> yes, you do. So that's why I'm letting you handle so the terminology. I, I, I really do think there is, well, I mean, in, in the discipline of gender studies, people are, are going to use, well, even there. Yeah. You're, I mean, you're right. People, I mean, there, there's fads in terminology and what was popular two minutes ago is suddenly horrific. And you're a monster. If you use that terminology. That, that's that's the academic culture today, and it's worse in the activist culture today than in the academic culture. But even in the academic culture, it can be like that sometimes. But but uh, the way that I have seen carefully thinking people who are trying to be open and understand things, but also not try to assume things from the outset, and try to, they're open to various perspectives. They try to use terms in a way that can be somewhat neutral and not settle in things. Right. Not 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 landing on a view from the outset. You were not trying to figure out what the right view is, but that so they'll be open to various views, but they want to have terminology that everyone can agree on. They'll tend to use the words male and female to mean something biological. The words masculine and feminine to mean something social, meaning the things that we add on to whatever is there biological. I think it's entirely plausible that some of those are going to be the same traits that, that uh, there might be things that are grounded in biology that then are reflected in how we see each other socially and classify each other and treat each other. That's, that's an open question. We have to settle that by doing empirical study. We do research to figure that out. But the research that they've done to figure that out is entirely 
lacking in consensus, I should say. Um, I don't want to say it's bad research. I just want to say that there's no agreement on what these studies actually show. And so you'll find, you'll find brain differences between men and women. And so the question then is, does that come from DNA? Does that come from how we treat each other when we're little? We don't know. So uh, obviously some, some role from DNA makes a difference. Some, there's some role that DNA will play. There's some role that hormones will play. And if certain hormones get released on a different schedule than typically happens, you might have some development that more typically reflects female and then the hormones kick in and then it changes to something different from that point. So different stages of development may reflect different causes, right? Uh, and then there's the way we treat each other because of how we classify each other. And that could be entirely different from one culture to another, even with the same biology, right? So, but, but that's all very, very complex and there's no agreement whatsoever on a lot of that stuff. So, and, and here we autistic women walk into the middle of this, like, Hey, what's up? Right. And if and so, mess everything up. <laughs> if, if, so part of the problem, I think in that conception of thinking of autism as okay. extreme maleness <laughs> uh, is that, uh, it's got problems in itself to begin with. I, I think partly is you picking and choosing certain traits and calling them the ones that are the autistic traits and then calling them also the ones that are the male traits. And I'm sure that if you really wanted to carefully not thinking in terms of trying to correlate them, but trying to find as many male traits as you could and find as many autistic traits as you could, they wouldn't correlate as well. I'm sure that that's, that would, that would, that's what your result would be, but no one has tried that because Baron Cohen's research wasn't trying to do that. Baron Cohen's research was assuming a whole bunch of things and then showing that with those assumptions, there's a correlation. Exactly. So, and that's just the common, that's the common thing of uh, subjectivity and research and bias and the <laughs> just bias. I mean, the fact that you are, the fact that you're going to pick things based on what the goal of your study is and based on what you believe about it it is incredibly hard to do research without bias. And that's something that we, right. that, it, it, that, that we acknowledge in the scientific world. I mean, to be fair, he wasn't just saying, okay, what's my result? What do I need to say to get there? He wasn't just oh, doing no, that. Agreed. But, but the, the things he chose, I think, were subconsciously perhaps influenced by the theory that he thought was true. And, and we have to discuss things that even gender is not that simple. Even sex is not that simple. We've got things like AIS, uh, androgen insensitivity syndrome, and other things that cause intersex conditions. Right. So even gender itself, when we think of it, and sex itself, which is what a lot of people try to base gender exclusively on, is not that simple. So when we're talking about this choosing hyper-masculine traits. I mean, where exactly are we going with that when it's not a true binary? Um, I think it gets back to the point that I was making that we've been thinking about these things in a, in a linear, like there's a straight line, you're on one end or the other, when actually what we're dealing with is a three-dimensional sphere. <laughs> and, and each of us pulls components from different parts of that sphere to get the individual. 
Now, Scott, I want to talk to you because you've been kind of quiet over there. And we're talking about autistic women and the experiences of autistic women. And you have interacted now with, with two known autistic women for, for at least a year. Yes. What is your impression of autism and autism in women? My as an prom- outside observer. Yeah, as an outside perspective, I do agree you know, about your idea of the spirit. But also, I believe when I've done a lot of studies and I've looked at all kinds of Venn diagrams, that's, that's how I think we can kind of look at it. It just came to me, the Venn diagram, where we have intersecting points and there's overlaps. Mm. And that, that's one way, uh, because I'm not going to be able to, uh, both, all three of you have had excellent scholarly points that I won't even try to knock out or knock in. <laughs> but also, I like the idea about the studies, about the problem is if we have sometimes these biases, I mean, real studies that I've looked at over the last couple months, you have to have, whenever there's any study, you need to have that fidelity of research. Yes. You have to have have that. And also, I'm also noting that a lot of times when studies are done, sample sizes may not be great. I don't know about these studies Mm -hmm. out there, about the sample sizes. So oh no, that's a, common for all of them. That's common for all of them. That's true for a lot of what we're talking about, it's, Scott. It's great that you say that, Scott, because as you were talking about fidelity, fidelity in the research, first thing that popped into my head was sample size. You're not going to be able to tell a whole lot if you have a sample size of like 20. Yeah. <laughs> and they're all boys. No. That's not going to get us a, a clear picture of what's going on. So that's... We're talk- my intelligence, but I, I, I obviously, and if you look at that, Sam's idea of the sphere, or even it's non-binary, like uh, Sam and Eliza have mentioned, and, and probably Jeremy too, it's, it's just, it's like one of the movies where life is complicated, hmm. but it's good to start having that discussion, and I think we should treat each individual, whether it's male or female, or however they identify themselves, treat them as unique people yes and that they have some kind of cause going on and obviously they need to address that they need to find out and when i did one of the research in one of the articles it mentioned that with the idea of masking sometimes uh you can try to please everybody in a job interview and then when you're in a position then something may come out it's very hard i don't know if it's ever happened to any of you but (laughs) It's even as, as you try to be on your best behavior on vacation, you're going to maybe uh, chew with your mouth open or, or do something very simple or not wipe your face. Those kind of things. I mean, it's not autism, but still it's just another way of looking at. You know, that's a great observation, Scott, about the, the, the uh, we make all this effort to camouflage the things that make us stick out, but we're only human. That camouflage is not perfect. So we're going to stick out and we're going to draw attention. And (laughs) we certainly often try to overcompensate and and hold higher standards for ourselves. I know that's true of me. I know that's true of you, Sam. And and Scott, as for what you were saying about the treating everyone as an individual, that's definitely 
infinitely important. And, and we really, the, the big issue there is treating people under this label so that they can find commonality as autistic women, because we do go through experiences more similar to each other's experiences than to autistic men's, but also having that sense of individually individual individuality and human reciprocity in there that we are all different and we are all human and we are are all going to have unique reactions to things. And yet there's still this commonality between individuals of the same group, in this case, autistic women. Because I don't really see anything really that different if I just uh, was presented with uh, these four individuals, I mean, three individuals, I would have no clue that any of you were artistic. Obviously, I've known from the involvement, but I wouldn't have had a clue. I mean, you're not, you're not Jeremy, but still, so I wouldn't have known unless I got to know you and work with you and understand. I don't really see that per se in you. That's that's a really important thing that you may not see it at first. And that's the thing. We try to appear neurotypical as much as possible sometimes, um, or at least I do. I know other artistic women tend to. But once you know, you know, acknowledging it, acknowledging that we do exist and that we go through the world in different ways than you or even an autistic man might, it's incredibly important. One of the things that I've found really important, really, um, you know, one of the biggest benefits I've found of receiving my diagnosis is that I could stop trying so hard to be something that I wasn't. I didn't have to try so hard to fit in. I didn't have to try so hard to be quote unquote normal. I could let myself be myself and be comfortable with my gifts, be comfortable with my flaws. I learned to forgive myself for the flaws that, okay, I'll be honest, they still drive me crazy sometimes. <laughs> Don't they all of us? You know, I, 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 can, I can remind myself, you know, talk myself through that. It's like, look, you're only human. This is the way your brain works. Stop kicking yourself and get up and go do something awesome with the way your brain works. I think that was one of the biggest benefits for me of being diagnosed. And I want to say, I want to encourage anyone listening, anyone watching who may have someone in their life where like, hmm, this person, something's a little bit off. I don't know what's going on here. Look, it's better to know than not know. Because once you know, that opens the door to learning how to be yourself and learning to be comfortable with yourself and learning to appreciate the person that you are. Yeah, that's incredibly important. Yeah, because even... No, I remember you... Yeah, Scott, you go. Even when I was taping the, the thing for uh, on transitions, I thought I was perfect. Then I saw I had a, an, an error on my uh, email address and I... And then I realized, oh, okay, I'm human, but luckily Sam fixed it. But still, but then I made a little fuss about it, or if I can't, or sometimes I obsess, even though I'm not autistic, but I have the developmental disability at times. If I try to do something and it's not working, I'll spend a couple hours trying to, oh, there's a way it's going to work. 
Oh my goodness. Yes. Yes. Oh, <laughs> you find, oh my. You find and that's that the, one thing. Yeah. And that's the hyper-focused aspect. And yes. Can, oh even my. The Rain Man, as a man, doesn't happen to play uh, the character Rayman. He loved to watch Jeopardy and, and Wheel of Fortune. So, or I think it was Jeopardy he loved. So you have this whole spectrum, and that's why it's it's really complex. And even if you think of a spectrum such as a rainbow, it lasts momentarily. But unfortunately, these disabilities don't just disappear. They're there all the time. I want to I want to push back on that. And then there's something else I want to say about the spectrum, but. I want to push back on that, unfortunately. It's, I wouldn't, I've said this time and time again. I wouldn't know what to do if it only lasted for a minute, if I suddenly became neurotypical. I wouldn't know what to do. I wouldn't know how to behave because, first of all, I mean, you know, the only, the only way for that to be possible would be miraculous or magic which oof, another whole thing on that but I wouldn't know how to act I wouldn't know what to do it's not necessarily negative for me and if it if I weren't I wouldn't be here doing this I wouldn't be in education I wouldn't be in all these areas that I'm in now when you were talking about the spectrum and back to what Sam was saying about it not being linear we have to realize that especially in terms of development because with developmentally disabled individuals and neurodevelopmentally disabled individuals as autistic individuals there could be one domain that is delayed but another that is advanced so it's again it's not linear it's that rainbow it's that spectrum it's you know, more than what you would first assume it to be. Yeah, in no way was I trying to say it lasts briefly. I was just, I mean, rainbows and autism, they don't go well together. And that was a bad illustration. No, it's, it wasn't. It wasn't. I just, I just want to say that you, you framed it as, as, as negative and it would be good if it only lasted a moment and went away. I just want to frame that as at least that's not true for me. I I yeah. wouldn't know what to do if, if I suddenly became neurotypical. Yeah. I would have no idea how to act, how to live in the world. I, and I wouldn't have as much of a reason to do what I'm doing now. Yeah. Become a teacher. Now I want to talk about this this issue of diagnosis. So the in general, the ratio is for male to female is four to one. When you get to what we call high functioning, which is what they call those of us who can fake being normal, who've, who've learned how to camouflage, the ratio is for every 10 autistic men or boys, you, there's one autistic woman. So apparently I am quite rare. You and I, Liza, are quite rare. <laughs> so the, 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 the issue here is are the diagnostic tools that they're using actually appropriate? Well, mm. the first question is, is it, are they appropriate to assess what autistic people are capable of? Two, are they appropriate to identify 
women on the spectrum? And the answer seems to be no, because most of these diagnostic tools were created by observation of men and boys. So there, there's, a, there's a clear need, at least from, from the way that I'm looking at it, for there to be more research, better research, better effort at finding the autistic women and observing our behavior and creating diagnostic tools that include the way that we present. What are your thoughts, Jeremy? I think part of the problem here is we, we can come up with reasonable explanations for why we would be underdiagnosing autistic girls and women. Uh, for example, we're seeing on, on the hypothesis of the uh, extreme maleness, you might see traits in uh, girls or women that maybe move, move them more toward those, the, the, the center. In which case, no one's raising red flags about that because it's not seen as really extreme in terms of the human general spectrum, right? So if you are socializing a certain trait as male and another one as female, where is that bringing autistic women? It's bringing them closer to the middle. And so it's not going to be spotted, right? Or another, another potential explanation, it's not going to be flagged as extreme. Whereas when you see someone already would have been over on one side, move over even further, it would be, it would be seen as extreme. And, and so it would be flagged. So I think that's one potential explanation of why you wouldn't be, right? you're, you're not even looking to diagnose someone when you're not seeing them as being as far extreme. But the other thing is um, some of the traits that are associated with autism are ones that some of them, not all of them, certainly not all of them, some of them it's the other way around, but some of them uh, are, I think are ones that we more likely would socialize as being normal for a girl or a woman. For example, a lot of people, well, a lot of autistic people are more introverted in certain ways, right? What do we expect of, of girls in our society? A little bit more expectation that, that they're not going to be loud and, 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 and boisterous, right? That's exactly what I was going to bring up. I was going to say that the, the dichotomy between the expectations for women and autistic people and the dichotomy between expectations for men and autistic people are much, much, much more divergent on the side of women than on the side of men. Uh, rather, vice versa, much more divergent on the side of men than on the side of women, I apologize. It, like you said, women are expected to be quieter. Girls are expected to be quieter and more introverted because of the way they're socialized. But I think some of the characteristics are the other way around. For example, the systematizing, right, system, system, but it's much more seen as Agreed. a trait for, for sure. So I think it's the external, I think it, that it's the, the characteristics that are more visible externally and more obvious tend to be the ones that are closer to the ones associated with women. And at younger ages, hmm. more exactly. noticeable at younger ages. Exactly, so, for men. I, so that's, that's one side of the question. I think there really are reasons to expect that it would be underdiagnosed in some ways. Mm -hmm. But I think there's also this other side to it. And that's that there, there might well be some plausible biological 
functions or explanations, I guess, of why it wouldn't occur as much in, in women. Uh, but I don't know enough biology to know if they've even tested any of these out. But for example, when you've got two X chromosomes, mm -hmm. you might have something that has a mutation that the other one compensates for. Yes, that's so exactly what I was exactly going to mention. When you've got an X and a Y, that can't happen. So there are a number of things that occur only in men. For example, color deficiency, right? Red, green color deficiency only occurs with an X and Y chromosome because the other chromosome, the other X, if you have an X chromosome that has that feature on it, the other one compensates for it. And, and, and we and, can also discuss, continue, sorry. So, so it's, it's, and that's why that's so rare in women. It's, it's, well, that, now that one actually is on the Y chromosome. That one's actually on the Y chromosome and it never happens in, in XY and XX women. Yeah. Right. Uh, but, but if, if um, you're going to have characteristics that occur on the X chromosome, but if the other X chromosome doesn't have it, then it might not manifest itself. Yeah. Then you'll so, just be a carrier. And, and, and autism isn't a gene. No, <laughs> it's not even a condition. It's a no. bunch of five or six, seven. I don't know how many it is in the current DSM. They keep changing it uh, of, 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 traits that occur along each one occurs along a spectrum and they say well if you've got enough of three of them then we'll give you the diagnosis or five of them i can't remember how many there were but it's such a it's such a, a arbitrary a, a arbitrary subjective it's not arbitrary <laughs> it's subjective for sure yes and it's 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 a mess in terms of, of thinking through, you wouldn't be able to say, here are the necessary and sufficient conditions for being autistic. If you have all of these and you don't have any of these other things and so on, you can do that. It's not how it works. No. Um, but most categories are like that. Like what counts as a sport, right? Is, if we're is, talking. Is, 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 is mini golf a sport, right? <laughs> right? I mean, most, most, most of our categories are like that. There's ambiguities and vagueness and, and things like that. So uh, autism is not like being a Republican or being a Democrat. Yeah. There's one thing yeah. that it takes to be a Republican or Democrat. You've registered with that party to vote. That's <laughs> it, right? And if we're, if we're talking it, about something biological is responsible, potentially responsible for autism, there could be hormonal reasons, even if it's not a chromosomal reason. For example, the atypical neurology, there could be some sort of hormone that, activates it or, or has an effect on it, which would appear to be borne out. And again, there aren't really that many studies on this, but there may be in the future, which could be borne out, correlation is not causation, by the overrepresentation of autistic women in the PCOS population. Because again, polycystic ovarian syndrome is an overabundance of androgens in X, XX women. And as, um, I have, as I have learned, as I have grown older, medical science doesn't understand as much about how women's bodies work, nope. how our hormones affect different systems in our bodies as I would like, <laughs> to be honest. Be and that, that could also be that, 
that that whole we're swimming in a hormonal soup from the time of conception and for women there's this ebb and flow of hormones all over the place that in, uh, impact how our bodies develop and it continues to impact mood weight just about everything but there's not a clear understanding of how that happens and when you throw autism in the mix, which is a constellation of slight tweaks here and there all throughout systems um, in your body, it's like you, life hits the wall. And um, it's, it's very challenging to figure out what the heck is going on with yourself yes. it, as a woman, as an autistic woman. In, in terms of talking about causes, it doesn't help that there really isn't one thing that's autism. There's several underlying conditions that have similar enough features that when you got enough yeah. of them, we'll call it autism. And all of those may have very different causes from each other because they're different underlying conditions. And, and uh, it might be that one of them is sex linked and another one's not. And that kind yeah. of thing. So, and, and the fact that it's this constellation of several different things, I mean, all it takes is having enough of a few different things and you'll, you'll get the diagnosis, right? But uh, if, if you're sort of ignoring some of those in girls and women and you're paying attention to them more in boys and men, then you'll see them. But with other ones, um, right, if you happen to have a different set of them, it might be noticed. If you happen to have a certain set of them, it won't be noticed, right? So the, the whole, I don't know how, I mean, you can certainly correlate who has the diagnosis and what the ratio is between people who have the diagnosis and people who don't, who have, who, who, who are, are male and who are female and so on. But are you really actually getting an answer to how frequent it is in the population? What, how frequent what is this thing we call autism, which is actually not one thing, right? I mean, it's, 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 uh, it, People want answers to questions that are clear. All the lines are drawn clearly. And the world just doesn't work that way. It would be like asking how many sports are outdoors. What percentage of sports are outdoors? Well, you're going to have to figure out what you count as a sport first. Yeah. Right. That's, that's the, that's, and, and, and no one thinks about that question. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It, it's funny that you talk about how we want, um, Straightforward answers, clearly drawn lines. Yes, I desperately want straightforward answers and clearly drawn lines. And I have come to terms, I've had to come to terms with the fact throughout my lifespan that those things don't exist in the real world. <laughs> there, there's, the, you know, there's gradations of things all over the place. And it's like, no, 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 I want a clear answer. You know, it kind of triggers me when there's not an answer but I've had to learn how to cope with not having clear answers and forget easy answers. Those are fake. <laughs> if yep. it's easy, it's probably wrong. And that for me, that, that desire to have answers, straightforward answers is a manifestation of my autism. I have a kiddo that when he is upset, agitated, he rapid fires questions at me and I'm like, oh my gosh, I do the same thing. I just don't do it out loud. 
it happens in my head. Yes. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, yes. Yeah. So and that gets me to a, another um, aspect of autism in women. It's the mimicking social behavior, mimicking the social behavior of others. I mentioned at the onset that we are really good at observing. Well, some of us are really good at observing others and imitating what we see. And one of the results of that is that the people that we're imitating, they tend to be drawn to us. And I can't remember if I read this or if I heard this, but for autistic women who are really good at observing the people around them and then mimicking that behavior, as human beings, we're drawn to things that remind us of ourselves. So here is random autistic woman observing the people around her mimicking their social behavior and all of a sudden all these people are drawn to her because oh she's just like me when actually no no we're not just like you we're just trying to figure out what the heck is going on here <laughs> and I've, I've experienced this myself where I, I, I feel like a people magnet sometimes I'm like no go, go away I want to be alone <laughs> I, I you know I want to sit in quiet and that I finally understand what some of that is. It's that people are seeing something that I don't even realize that I'm doing and they're drawn to that. Often it's drama that they bring with them that I really don't want and I don't know how to stop that, but there you go. <laughs> so we have a few more minutes left. Is there anything about autistic women, autism in women, that we haven't touched on yet. I'm still kind of new at this thing, being autistic. Well, uh, so I'm like, uh, okay. Believe it or not, despite <laughs> the fact, despite the fact that I was diagnosed at age four, I have had a kind of similar journey to a lot of autistic women who were diagnosed at older ages because I didn't know anything about it. I was kept from other autistic people. I was. I was essentially taught it was more important to mask than to understand who I was. So it's been more of a understanding who I am as an autistic person and, and an autistic women's, woman specifically in the past couple of years. I didn't really embrace or even know any of it when I was a kid. I knew I was autistic, but I didn't know what that meant for me what it meant for other people because I was kept isolated from other autistic people nature versus nurture hypothesis thought I would pick those behaviors up so I've gone through a pretty similar journey to what I've heard that a lot of adult diagnosed autistic women have I also think it's important for us to realize that autistic women are in two populations two different populations that tend to have high rates of abuse, whether that is whether that is abuse from parents or more likely domestic abuse. Women, as we know, are more likely to have domestic abuse happen to them than men are. And then disabled people, especially autistic people, are often the same way 
because our opinions, not our opinions even, our experiences are discounted. So those two combine, and it's possible that they combine to form an even greater rate of abuse than the two might be on their own. I'm not entirely certain of the statistics and how they overlap, but I do know that there is a greater degree of abuse among autistic people, among women, and then even more so among autistic women. Hmm. So we need to recognize that tendency and, you know, if you're going through this, recognize it and if you've had this happen to you in the past or if you've just had the world do what it does for autistic women pretend we don't exist marginalize us discriminate against us your your experiences are true are valid and there are people who get it as autistic women, we, to a degree, again, there's that individualism and everyone is unique, but there is that shared experience there. And I think even though the world kind of puts everything that they can against us. I, I want to be women, careful when, when saying things like pretend the world pretends like we don't exist, because clearly people recognize that we do exist. And there are researchers who are out there saying, well, you know what, we need to do a better job of identifying and supporting autistic women because we've yeah. been kind of falling down on the job. So I, I want to be careful and clear that while yes, autistic women are underdiagnosed and misdiagnosed, there's also a, a, rec a growing recognition that that's a problem and that we need to create better tools to help identify autistic yes. women and better services and support. And a lot of the people leading that charge are some effective autistic self-advocates who are, are sounding yep. the alarm, ringing the bell saying, hey, these are the things that we need and these are the things that you need to be doing in your research. Some of us are even involved in that research, mm -hmm. creating the tools that we actually need, using their life experiences to inform the research that's being done. And as you were talking about our vulnerability to abuse, one thing that comes to mind is that autistic people in general, and particularly autistic women, are more susceptible to depression and anxiety. And for me, that was addressing my anxiety and my depression was, was the gateway. That's what opened the door to eventually years down the road, getting to the point of getting a diagnosis because mm -hmm. I knew something was different. I knew something was wrong and something was off. And I, I suppose it was part of my hyper, hyper focus that I needed to fix it. <laughs> I needed to fix me. Yep. I didn't like the way I felt. I, I didn't like um, the the darkness in my life. And I'm like, there's got to be a way to fix this. I don't, I don't care. I will not accept no. And I think, again, that's part of my autistic profile that mm -hmm. 
I, I believe there's got to be a better way. There's got to be an answer. We just haven't found it yet. And because I kept digging, I kept looking I'm like, okay, doc, here's what's going on. Help me out here. What are, what are the things we can try? And okay, we'd address one thing and something's still off. Okay, doc, something's still off. Help me out here. And it was several years of that before like ding, 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 ding. Um, are, are you sure you're not autistic? <laughs> you know, finally someone said to me, you know, um, the things that you say, explain to me about autism, um, I think are true about you too. Have you thought about this? And, you know, the light went off. I'm like, holy crap. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. But, but yeah. back to the point of addressing the, 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 the high occurrence of depression and anxiety in autistic people, particularly autistic women, can do a lot to make our lives better, more, more livable. And that's why I, I, I put a lot of effort and a lot of work into making sure that there's appropriate mental health resources here where I live in Onondaga County and Syracuse, New York, because that is something that this area desperately needs in order for the people who live here to thrive. And obviously just, I'll just go back to the whole idea of in general, as a, this is a little above what I can understand because I'm male and I, I don't have those. I can read it and it makes some sense, but I haven't experienced it. But still, it's that giftedness. Uh, sometimes autistic people such such as uh, Temple Grandin and even Greta Thornburg, who's the activist for climate and Temple Grandin about the mind and creativity and helping animals, there's that great giftedness that despite this problem that, or this challenge that we have, life is a challenge. We really can't call it a problem. We all have this problem called life, <laughs> but it's how we handle it. Cause I don't want to say, you know, the, you know, the problem of life. And that's just an easy way to say it because everyone on this uh, panel, everyone listening has problems. And we're just categorizing it into a label or into a category. Hmm. But it's that intersectionality that we're all here. I'm developmentally uh, and a little intellectually disabled and some physical categories. And then autism, which also has physical categories, we're all in this thing called life and that Venn diagram. So hmm. I like the way that you put that. We all have this problem called life. <laughs> <laughs> Because if you're alive, you got problems, but also if you're alive, and I like that you started off talking about gifts because there are aspects of ourselves that we should recognize and acknowledge as gift, gifts to ourselves, gift to others. But start off as recognizing that there are things about you that are a gift to yourself and appreciating those and celebrating those. And taking those and running with them. One of my gifts is that I like to ask the question, why? <laughs> got me into a lot of trouble when I was younger, but it has served me well, that gift of being able to ask questions and ask why and wanting to know why. Any last comments about the topic of autistic women? Yes, we do exist. 
No? All right. <laughs> well, this is a topic that we may come back to at a, at a later time because there's so many layers to it. We, we just barely touched on issues of, of gender identity, gender dysphoria, all that, and how that plays when you throw autism into the mix. I have this vision of my ha- in my head of one of those, you know, commercial stand mixers that you would find in a bakery. And, you know, the, the, the technicians in back in the back room, they dump the ingredients in that thing by, you know, the pound and by the gallon and mix it up and something awesome comes out. People are like that. Throw all, throw all different ingredients into this mixer. You turn it on, you mix it up, you bake it for nine months. <laughs> <laughs> and boom, there you go. Thank you everyone for listening. You have been listening to the Life Fantastic podcast where people with disabilities talk about all things disability here on Straight Independent Radio. We are sponsored by neurodiversityconsulting.org and sanchia.org. Check us out on the web for all the great things we do with people with disabilities. I'm your host, the Idea Dynamo, Samantha Pierce. Thank you, Liza, Scott, and Jeremy for being part of this conversation. And we will have another great conversation next time.